This is CliffCentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on CliveCentral.com. Hello, welcome to March. Welcome to this edition of The Bounce Show. Very full show today. If this show was a stomach, it would be Kule Busezuma. I really just think of that on the fly. I don't know why that guy sticks in my memory so much. Yeah, great show today because we're going to be doing F1 for the first time probably ever. Now, it's not because I hate the sports, just that I don't really care too much for it because there's so many other great sports out there. You know, I have no prejudice towards sports. Uh, well, I lie. There's certain football I just don't care for. Uh, but yeah, so... Basically, we have here at Cliff Central a variety of fantastic listeners. I say this because we're not on radio, we're not on mainstream radio, we're not a mainstream media outlet. We're quite niche. You know, you've got to be on the internet, you've got to have the app, you've got to go stream through our website. That's not the easiest thing to get to necessarily, although it is pretty simple. I mean, it's just one click here and there. So the people who listen to us, I believe, are quite discerning. They're quite smart individuals. So this guy mailed me a couple of years back saying, love the show, love to chat F1 at some stage. And I just thought it's just another fan who wants to talk about F1, which is fine. And, and sometimes, in my opinion, fan opinions are the best opinions. Turns out, though, he actually works in the world of F1. He is in charge of what goes into making these cars what they are. And as we all know, F1 isn't about the best driver necessarily or whatever. It is. It's about the best cars because if you've got a great car, you've got the money you put together, you will be a champion in F1. So that interview will be played today. It's uh, something I pre-recorded because, you know, everyone's got jobs and day jobs and he's obviously very busy right now because F1 starts again in March. Yep. So they're going through all the big testing right now, although it is snowing in Barcelona or the weather's really shite actually around Europe altogether. So that's pre-recorded. That's going to go up in a few minutes' time. But before that, wow, there's just so much to catch up on. There really, really is. Uh, it's been an exciting time of sport recently. Of course, the Winter Olympics is now done, but now the Winter Olympics goes to Pyeongchang. So I'm going to update you about all the big things that are happening. Plus, we've got Kevin Saunders and Rob Terry, potentially. Rob, uh, sorry, potentially. I'm talking to my guest. He's right here. So these guys are with Ultimate Tens Rugby. Now, Ultimate Tens is a fantastic sporting event. And I say a fantastic sporting event because, sure, Tens Rugby is the hook. That's what you go there for. But there's massive entertainment. And I've always been a firm believer in this show about getting people to sporting events. There's got to be more than just your obvious. So got Kevin here. We're going to talk about this amazing event and how you can be involved. And along with that, I've got a very interesting story, which I think I'm going to open up with after I just get through the headlines. There's been this Aussie politician. Now, I hate politicians because I think a lot of them are just career politicians, as in they don't know what the real world is. So they go and they sprout all this crap in, in parliament and somehow it ekes into our lives. I know that makes me sound like, I don't know, an anarchist or whatever. But I believe that we must dismiss crap as it happens, and therefore it cannot grow into anything else. Just imagine if we did that with Sanzar and Super Rugby. We wouldn't have had the mess that we're sort of coming back to a little bit. So there's this woman in, in Australian Parliament, Linda Reynolds, and she believes that women should stop being discriminated against and they should be allowed to play hard contact sports like Rugby Union, Rugby League, or rugby, Aussie Rules against the men. Now, obviously, it's a stupid idea, and I could wax lyrically about why it's a stupid idea, but I found an actual Australian who cuts to it rather colorfully. It's always nice Australians hearing about other Australians, because obviously the Aussies are in South Africa right now playing cricket, so we've always got to have some Aussie influence in the show. So I'll play that clip for you in a bit, and I find it very interesting, because we've got to stop the bullshit in life. This whole thing about gender equality, I'm all for everyone getting a fair dig in life. But there's certain areas where men do this stuff and women do other stuff. It's not a bad thing. We don't have to set fire to things and have riots and start slogans and hashtag campaigns. Just get over ourselves sometimes. So this clip will basically put that into perspective. But first, got to get into the headlines. Today, the 1st of March, it was seen Rusty Erasmus will be announced as the Bok coach. Now, obviously, sorry being sorry, they're... Sorry being sorry, in bed with Supersport, they'll make some song and dance about this great reveal. 
and uh, it'll all happen today. It's going to happen just after the show is going out live. So if you are listening via podcast, you probably already know what this is. But essentially, Rossi's going to be named as the Springbok coach. It looks like Matt Proudfoot could be given the ask because he was part of Alex Garcia's coaching staff. And it looks like Mzondila Stick is going to come back as the Bok coach because Franco Smith is also kind of gone. So it's just a reshuffle. It's a reintroduction of who the Bok management team is going to go be going forward. Uh, Herschel Gibbs has a job. He is now the coach of the Kuwait T20 cricket team. I always find it kind of interesting that I could ever be a place where alcohol is not, you know, it's something that is allowed. Uh, although I think Kuwait's actually quite liberal. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know my Emirates and associated areas that well. Roger Federer scooped up all the big awards really at the Laureus Awards this past week. He was nominated for Comeback of the Year, obviously, because he came back and won the Aussie Open, had a fantastic year, won Wimbledon. And then with that, he got Male Sports Star of the Year, although Linda Reynolds would probably believe that she'd just be a Sports Star of the Year. There is a Women's Sports Star of the Year, and Serena Williams got it, which I think is a load of bollocks, really. I mean, look, Serena is a fantastic champion. She's the greatest women's tennis player of all time. Sorry, Margaret Court, but you didn't play in an open era, so therefore I don't take it that seriously. But Serena is the greatest sports, women's sports star probably ever. Sure, you can, you can contest that. But last year, she won Australian Open, then she had a baby. Now, credit to her having a baby, because that's also very difficult, and that's a big life thing. But this is the sports awards. You win one Grand Slam. I mean, there were so many fantastic, willing, able, and capable nominations around that. Carlos Menu being one of them. I think sometimes these award things, they do get caught up in their own hype and their own popularity. I mean, Serena, she's won this award, I think, twice before. How she won it in the back of one tournament. Bit of a stretch, but hey, that's not really here or there, is it? Uh, like I said, Formula 1 starts this month. The testing has been dogged by horrendous weather that's uh, crept across Europe. Um, I think if you're watching the Spurs match last night against Rochdale at Wembley, it was the replay of the FA Cup tie. Spurs winning that one 6-1, 5-1, whatever it was, not important. But the, basically the entire field was just covered in snow towards the end. Unseasonal, just too much snow across all of Europe. Um, so that's, that's happening. Uh, tonight, Man City will play Arsenal. Now, this is an interesting match, not because it's a league match, because we all know Man City are going to win and Arsenal aren't going to make Champions League uh, football. That's just, that's decided already. But the fact is that, uh, these two teams just met over the past weekend in the Carabao Cup. Carabao is an energy drink, by the way. I found it out recently. Can't say I ever care too much about that, that League Cup thing. So they've just been hammered of Arsenal in the Carabao League Cup final where the fans were leaving way before full time at Wembley. And now they've got to play them in the league. It's going to be a rather demoralizing, uh, kind of experience. This week in golf, huge, huge week because it's the WGC in Mexico. Now this event used to be at Donald Trump's course and ironically was taken to Mexico. And last year at the Club de Golf, uh, Chapultepec. Chapultepec. I'm pretty sure I butchered that last year as well. Club de Golf Chapultepec. Uh, 7,500 feet above sea level. So the ball is going to rocket and go forever. Just to give you an idea, Joburg, where the ball rockets and goes forever, 6,000 feet above sea level. The Club de Golf Chapultepec, 7,500 feet. Dustin Johnson is the defending champion. And uh, I remember he went in that absolute wild tear of winning everything before he fell down the stairs of the Masters last year. Uh, so he will be the fan champion. Obviously, all the big players are going to be there because it's a WGC event. And you get into that while well, you're in the top 50 in the world and you really know what you're doing. So uh, they've got that to look forward to, plus the Schwane Open. But just getting back to Dustin Johnson. Now, you know, I interviewed Chris Solomons uh, last year. Uh, he's the guy from No Laying Up, which is my favorite golfing podcast, probably my favorite sporting podcast. And they actually had Dustin Johnson on this last week. I mean, these guys are really going from strength to strength. And I'm a big fan of guys who, you know, like I have, have started out just being a fan just being someone who loves sport, not caring about trying to be hired by mainstream media. And they've created a real amazing niche for themselves. So no laying up is going from strength to strength. So I must tell you, you've got to listen to the podcast with Dustin Johnson. Just play a little excerpt from it from nolayingup.com. If you go onto their website, of course, you subscribe to them, the, the, the podcast, there's a variety of platforms there. But here's Dustin Johnson chatting to them earlier this, uh, sorry, this last week. Uh, if Whoever I was- wants to win. <laughs> Uh, if I was to ask you where you think you rank on the career earnings list and how much money you've earned, what would you what would you estimate, or do you know oh, this information? I, well, it's funny you ask that. My manager actually told me uh, like a couple weeks ago that I think I'm fifth. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason I know. He told 
How much? And I don't know how much it is. But. What's your What's your guess? I have no idea. It's fifty point three million. Does that okay. sound about right? Yeah, I don't know where it all went, but <laughs> sure. So you know, you know what I'm most curious curious about is I have like an app on my phone. So if you ever wanted to hear, like, you want to hear a lot about Dustin Johnson. He's quite a simple, straightforward guy, and I mean that with all respect. He he isn't the smartest. I mean, he'll be the first to admit that too. So the guys that get him into the into the, their studio and have a proper sit down hour conversation with the dude. Uh, he's a bit all over the place. I don't think he understands that microphones are meant to be in front of your face when you talk, and they do address that early on. So you can get a full feature on nolayingup.com. It'll be the, the last interview. But they interview everyone here. These guys get all the big names now, and I'm so happy for them. I really am. Uh, in cricket news, the Aussies have won the toss, and uh, this is obviously going out live right now. They've won the toss. They've chosen to bat against the Proteas in uh, Durban. So Bancroft and Warner are on the go there. The Proteas have gone quite ballsy. They've gone for the extra batsman. Tennis de Brand comes in, which means that we're down to just the four bowlers, Philander, Maharaj, Rabada, and Morkel. So Ngidi, not favored for that one. It is, of course, Morkel's swan song. This is his final test series. The big news this week is that he's going to play one more test series for the, the Proteas. And that's it. He's retiring. He is in his 30s. He is kind of past his prime, I would imagine. And he's going to retire. But this is the right time for him, I think. It's a momentous series against the old foes. So good for him. The rest of the team on the batting front is Dean Algar, uh, Markram, Amla, De Villiers, Duplessis, and De Kock, with Tennis coming in at uh, a very good number seven, I'd imagine. Because if you've got Philander batting at number eight, then you've got a strong batting lineup. It really is. And ultimately, if you're not going to win a test with four bowlers, then uh, you, know, you, you should be able to get it done. You really should. And as we saw at the Wanderers, having five bowlers, five seamers, it didn't work. It was just a waste of time. By the time your opening bowlers are fresh again, you're bringing on a fifth bowler as like a token gesture. Uh, Super Rugby, I don't know if it's probably just too early days to kind of talk about Super Rugby just yet. Um, well, we know the Stormers are throwing it away already, and they're already on to their third choice for laughs. Nothing new for them. Um, the Crusaders played against the Chiefs last week and hammered them. They're going to hammer the Stormers this weekend. So pretty early, early days there. But one thing I do want to talk about is Six Nations. How exciting is that, hey? For the first time, I think, in a decade... Um, I thought it'd be even longer, but Scotland beat England. So, you know, obviously people are talking about the fact that England are primed to be the only kinds of people who can retake on the All Blacks in the next World Cup. Scotland stuffing them. That must have been an amazing game to be a part of, just to be there as a Scot. Uh, you know, this is the Calcutta Cup. It's the old rivalry, Braveheart, all that kind of crap. But 25-13, Scotland were just immense. Their backs are so exciting. They really are a good team. I think everyone expected this to happen this year, but after they got hammered by Wales in that first week, Scotland were obviously hugely disappointed about that, but they came back to beat England. In other matches, Ireland beat Wales 37-27, and then France, they beat Italy 34-17, but you know, anything involving Italy in this competition is a waste of time anyway. So those are the sort of big things to look out for sport-wise currently. I'm so excited about this whole WGC event happening in Mexico. So obviously the timing's chime change is about 9, 10 hours behind, but it's a really great old school course, tree lined, loads of different um, curvatures, you know, just gonna, you're gonna have to be able to fade the ball, draw the ball, hit it high, hit it low. It's gonna be very, very exciting. But we'll get into more of that towards the end of the show because I need to get into something that really pissed me off this week. And again, like I said, it's about trying to make everyone equal in life and it's just not it's not correct. It's it's just political correctness gone wrong, in my opinion. It's an absolute load of bollocks. And um, it's something that should be addressed, I guess. Uh, there we go. So there's um, there's a YouTube channel called Bearing. It's an Aussie guy. It's very much an Aussie guy. It's very blunt. And that's why I wanted him to talk about this rather than me talk about this. And uh, I'm going to play this. And then after that, we are going to get into our F1 feature with our anonymous guest who's got amazing insights into the world of F1 that we'll never, ever probably have thought about before. Being out on the water, relaxing. Sorry, Dustin, you had enough. Go away. Government Senator Linda Reynolds calls for debate on mixed-gender teams in Australia's elite sports. For fuck's sake, you'd think a senator would be a bit sharper than this, wouldn't you? So basically, we've got this Senator Linda Reynolds, who was the Australian Army Reserve's first female brigadier, which is fantastic. You go, girl, women kicking ass, etc. But that doesn't mean chicks can compete with blokes in sports like Aussie Rules Football or Rugby League. That's fucking ridiculous. Good debate. Catch ya. Or I suppose I should go into a bit more detail, but that's the fucking gist of it. 
rising star inside the Turnbull government has called for a national debate on introducing mixed gender competitions to professional sport, asking why women are segregated from competing against men in codes like the AFL, NRL and Rugby Union. Linda Reynolds, who was Australia's first female brigadier in the Army Reserves before joining Parliament, told Fairfax Media that sports should follow in the footsteps of the Australian Army, which has a target of lifting the proportion of women in its ranks to 25% within five years. Well, I'll tell you why women are segregated from men in codes like the AFL, NRL and Rugby Union, and why sports shouldn't follow in the footsteps of the Australian Army. It's because men are stronger and faster than women. And the average sports spectator isn't willing to delude themselves for the sake of gender equality. At the end of the day, sport must meet the expectations of the spectators. Those overseeing the Australian Armed Forces are willing to delude themselves for the sake of gender equality. That's why the Australian Armed Forces have different expectations for men and women. But sadly, at the end of the day, it's not the expectations of the top brass that counts. It's the ability to overcome the armed forces of potential enemies. And the armed forces of potential enemies definitely aren't willing to delude themselves for the sake of gender equality. Like in the military, sport requires many different qualities in an individual player, but also in the team, Senator Reynolds told Fairfax Media. We no longer segregate women solely on their gender. Women now have the opportunity to compete on merit in the military. Maybe it's time to rethink the segregation of women in sports simply based on their gender and not on the talent. The Western Australian Liberal Senator, who is a prominent advocate of the role of women in society, has been locked in a recent war of words with Conservative MPs Corey Bernardi and former SAS soldier Andrew Hastie over their opposition to women serving on the front line of battle, asked if women might fear being put at a disadvantage if asked to compete against men to qualify for teams, Senator Reynolds said, How do you know if you don't give it a go? No, it's hard to argue with that logic. That's why in 2016 the Matildas women's soccer team played a friendly match with the Newcastle Jets men's soccer team. Well, boys' soccer team. Under 15 boys. The boys ended up thrashing the women's team 7 0. Now, if you weren't aware, the Matildas are our national women's soccer team. They're the ones we send to the fucking Olympics. At the time, they were ranked fifth best women's team in the world, and they were beaten 7-0 by the Newcastle Jets under-15s. Not the state or national boys team, the Newcastle Jets under-15s. go and watch women in soccer and AFL, she said. All these people who think it's about physical strength. It is an important characteristic, but it is not the only characteristic, she said. Women excel in sport and in the military because they also have the other qualities required. Leadership, resilience and strength. There are outstanding female athletes. Why shouldn't they have an opportunity? Of course we want things to be judged on merit, but what is merit? Well, if we're talking about rugby, for instance, merit is being a fucking massive meat axe of a cunt who can run really fast with a ball and bulldoze your way through other massive meat axe cunts. It's not all about physical strength. Women have other qualities like leadership and resilience and strength. Guys, stop being so rough for a minute so I can do some leadership. Gu guys... If you don't stop being so nasty, you're not going to get any of my resilience. You're going to miss out on my other important characteristics. Guys, guys, can't we all just get along for a little while? We need to figure out what merit is. Guys, you're not listening to my leadership. Guys. Yeah, so that's how fucking retarded that is. Now, before I go, fellow Aussie YouTuber Suit Yourself has recently had his All right, so that's Bearing on YouTube, Bear ING. It's a great video. I'll put it up with the podcast of us on the today when I put it out later because you've actually got to see some of the videos towards this. But it's just simple as that. It's it's biology. It's science. Certain things men do by themselves, women do by themselves. It's this grandstanding by these political pricks, just like Linda Reynolds. They just don't understand, but they want popularity. And all these people are doing is they are trying to distract us while they take things from us. These politicians. I don't want this to become a politician, a political rant. We have enough of those in the morning show here on Cliff Central, but I just need to play that because it made me kind of feel better that there's still some actual sense out there. People are crapping and buying to all this political correctness. It's just absolute bollocks. It really is. So today I told you with great enthusiasm and pride that I have an F1 feature for you. And I do. I do. So this guy that I was chatting to, I can't say his name. Not that he's dodgy or anything like that. It's just that he's working in the world of F1. And these guys are bound by huge amounts of secrecy because what they're doing is high-tech 
it's like I, I touch on it in an interview. It's almost like the Cold War because trade secrets, you know, people live and die by. So I can't say his name. I can tell you he works in Great Britain. He works on one of the teams and he is, well, you'll find out the rest from, uh, from the interview. But I'm, this, this is, this interview made me more interested by F1. I, I care more about the sport. I'm not going to probably watch a whole deal more this season than I have in other seasons, but it kind of gave me an understanding about what goes into these big level sports. So whether I like the sport or not, the undertaking, the spectacle that is F1 is bloody interesting. And this interview that I had with Mr. Anonymous here is something I hope you enjoy too. So as you know, I'm not the biggest F1 fan, and some people have taken me a task about this in the past. It's just, there's so many great sports out there, and I never want to do you any misjustice, injustice, sorry, about doing things half-heartedly. But someone emailed me a couple of years ago, and I, I must apologize straight up. I've been so slack in getting in touch with this guy. He said, you know, it'd be really cool to have a little chat about F1. There's a couple of things that, you know, I'd like to talk about. And I thought, well, obviously, this is, this is my chance. This is my big chance to do F1 on the show. Now, I've got him on the line. He wants to remain semi-anonymous. So let's just start out, um, you know, obviously born and raised in South Africa. Uh, where did it go from there to, to your, your link into the F1 business? Well, I suppose it, it starts off in Pretoria. Um, please don't hold it against me that I'm a bull spotter. But I was always obsessed with uh, cars. I think when I was little, you know, my first words were naming every car on the road. Um I grew up, you know, always thinking that F1 was the coolest thing in the world, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and it, it was very good back then, if you remember. I think before Michael's dominance, it was a highly entertaining thing to watch, you know. Um, and as a result, I thought it would be a good idea to study mechanical engineering. Right. And what, once in varsity understanding that the South African landscape for what it means to be a mechanical engineer was generally like project management or construction or that kind of thing. So being a designer of things is quite a quite a tough road to go down um, in South Africa. So if I look back at my career, I did do a little bit of a little bit of truck stuff, so cement mixes and armored vehicles, um, and then a bit of trucks themselves, um, the chassis, I mean. And basically what happens in Europe is that they need a whole lot of like temporary workers every year to complete the car build because there's so many parts that need to get done. So basically what I had, which is just lucky for me, was the right kind of second passport and the right kind of experience and knowing the right kind of software in a nutshell and the interest. No, so. <laughs> wow, that's okay. I wasn't quite expecting that. That that really is quite a thing. But now the, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of F1 because I don't see it as a sport. I see it more of a marketing exercise because it's about people who can make really good things, and then it's all about the heavy money and the branding. When you were first tasked with getting into the, into the industry, I mean, was was this at a stage where technology was really starting to take over? Because there was definitely a switch between these cars being cars to what they are now, which is essentially just land-based rocket ships. I mean, it's just amazing what technology is in these cars right now. Yeah, well, it's all about the designers trying to outfox each other. And, I mean, you can almost in- interpret it as part of figuring out the cheat code, you know, to this year's regulations here and there. And it's been happening throughout the beginning of the series. I mean, with with not only aerodynamics, but fuel size, uh safety cells, uh, tires, suspension, all sorts of advantages that can be found, will be found, you know. So it's quite a – I know I know what you mean. I'm essentially in marketing, which is a funny pill to swallow. <laughs> and generally the people with the bigger budgets have the better technology. But for the past 30 or 40 years, it's been quite technology-focused, you know. Is it always then going to be, it's a money sport, so Mercedes currently probably has the most money, therefore they've got the greatest scientists, essentially. I mean, this is kind of like a Cold War, almost. <laughs> if you've got the best scientists, you've got the best weapons. You know, is, is it always going to be that in the sport? Is that something we've got to be resigned to? I think it is somewhat like that. And unfortunately, this modern turbo-hybrid era has been terrible for that exact reason. You know, if you look before, 
there would be an underdog who might, you know, almost like that Australian speed skater who <laughs> waits in the wings while his uh, leaders were knocked out of the race. Yeah, the Aussie guy. <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, uh, what we hope for is to see, you know, some lower down team score a win or something along those lines, some hero coming from the back in a crappy car just to <laughs> scupper all the pros at the end. But to be fair, um, that's what the regs change in 2021 will be about. I think they're addressing a couple of things, namely the noise and the vast amounts of money that are necessary to compete. So I don't think we're going to see any change until the end of 2020. Okay, so when you say that these sort of 2020 changes, what are the things that the sport is trying to essentially evolve into? Less of a money game, I think. The trend, the trend for sponsors as well is that it's becoming more and more attractive to sponsor things like Formula E, and then there over time has been an outlaw of, of having cigarette sponsorship and alcohol sponsorship, I think. And I think with global warming being quite a, an elephant in the room, there's going to be oil companies are going to be targeted next, I think. So having Petronas on the side of a car is going to be a bit of a dirty word, you know? <laughs> right. But, mm. like, but as far as, like, I mean, what are the kind of restrictions they really could put into the car, so to speak, to kind of curb these things? Or is it just about capping expenditure about your, you know, your technology? Is that it? Yeah, it's a very complicated question because at the smaller teams, you could say, you know, if I look at the current regs, they have caps on the number of hours we're allowed to test in the wind tunnel. And we have caps on the amount of computing power we're allowed to do simulations with, okay? Um, and at the smaller teams, it just means that the guys have more to do per person, if you know what I mean. So at the bigger teams, uh, you know, there'd be three guys working on the rear wing or four or five guys just designing rear wings, whereas at the small team, there might be like one. Um, and that, you know, they're a lot cleverer about how to divide up what they've been given. So it's a it's a difficult question to answer because there should just be like an employee cap maybe or a, or a total budget cap, but again, that's almost impossible to manage really. So right, but like um, you know, with this whole Formula E thing, it's like I mean, I think it's amazing what can happen here. We've seen all the hype around electric cars and Tesla. You know, we see that say more manufacturers, like you say, are finding it more attractive to get into it. Do you ever think that's going to be a stage where Formula One will go full electric, considering how they've already progressed with the hybrids? Uh, so this one's quite a tough question. I think the, the big difference at the moment is the sound. Like I can't, I can't tell you that it's exciting for me to watch well, that's Formula E with. There's yeah. a lot of like souped-up golf cars essentially going around. You know, a lot of people go to this because of the sound. It's that whole experience. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, what we don't have in Formula E yet is the crazy stories and the huge personalities and the uh, Indian business tycoon who's wanted by the Indian government and Flavio Briatore being sentenced to prison. <laughs> yeah. We don't have, like, a James Hunt being a serial philanderer and alcoholic. and We don't have the big stories yet, I think, which is the, you know, Formula One has all this history and it has Monaco and it has these... $30 million engine contracts and all sorts of crazy things that Formula E is just like sensible and <laughs> it's all these uh, bog standard road tires and, um, you know, everyone has the same aero kit and it's all just a bit, it's all just a bit boring for me at the moment. And I think, I think quite a few of the diehard racing fans will probably feel the same way, yeah. you know, and to a simple answer for me, I can't, I can't tell you. I don't think. Formula One will be full electric for another 20 years, maybe, you know, because, yeah, uh, at the moment, that's what makes it so exciting. The most sophisticated internal combustion engines are still in Formula One. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in your time of being in the industry, were you kind of sworn to massive sort of um, secrecy, like you had to sign indemnity forms about, you know, being privy to certain technologies and stuff like that? I mean, is it very much like... Um, kind of like government secrets almost that goes into creating the cars the way they are. Oh, for sure. Uh, there's a huge, there's a huge difference, let's say, between teams A and B. If you look at 
the competitive advantage that Mercedes has, from a layman's perspective, you can see that obviously the engine is better, but Ferrari has very good aero, and that's how they keep up, and obviously good drivers and all the rest. But the best aero on the grid is Red Bull. I mean, if they were 7% down on power last year, that's, you know, a good shout. And somehow they still won races. Mm. So it shows you the huge difference having a technical advantage over someone else has, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing industry to be in because yes, that is a huge concern. And yes, it's kind of weird being here because there is a revolving door kind of technology acquisition that happens amongst employees, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I have to give six months notice if I want to leave and take my team's secrets to another team, oh, um, wow. in which time they could tell me to go sit on the roof and play with my phone for six months while I'm being paid. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, people often say that like a lot of concepts are going to cars nowadays, obviously pioneered from F1. Is a lot of that still happening? Is, is that a big thing that people obviously, you know, they've made a massive investment in F1, obviously to then trickle down to their cars is obviously the sort of payout they're looking for? Uh, not anymore, I don't think. <laughs> Uh, the turbo lag and the valve lift system that's in the current engines, I mean, these things are just so expensive. Like, it's it's hard to imagine how it would ever get to that stage. I think the one thing that's becoming more and more apparent in the last couple of years is the use of carbon fiber. Right. So the, you might buy a BMW 7 Series and find out that, that its roof and, and pillars are now carbon fiber. Mm. I think... BMW i3 uses a fair bit of it, and i8. So with time, the more they get to use, the cheaper it gets. But a lot of the engine stuff I'm not so sure about. And, uh, the suspension stuff for sure is, <laughs> you know, it's it's not for comfort or, or yeah. ride or any of that. It's just to be stuck to the road all the time, which normal cars don't need, I guess. So. Do you have like a ballpark figure what it would cost a manufacturer to basically run a season in F1 nowadays? I just watched that Amazon Prime one about McLaren, but their estimates are somewhat low, I'd say. I think the big boys spend anywhere around 300 to 500 million pounds a season. Wow. Um, and to begin with, you actually need quite a serious factory to cope with all of that, um, which is in the region of, you know, 100 to 200 million pounds by itself. So if you start up from scratch, that's what you're looking at. And now, a factory is not just a factory and what have you, uh, as we think it is. It's also this uh, wind tunnel facility that usually has to go with it, uh, which is essentially like a research and development wing of the company. So imagine having like a CSIR bolted onto the side of a car company yeah. permanently. <laughs> so, and uh, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to compete with people like Mercedes, like say 1,500 employees and half a billion dollars budgets they have so so we're looking at 1500 1500 people that are all signed on to team lewis hamilton winning is that basically what it comes down to <laughs> well yes well you know Bottas has a role to play i suppose somewhat <laughs> yeah, yeah he's definitely one of the 1500 <laughs> <laughs> yes yes well uh, you know back in the michael days eddie irvine was there so he could set up the car better for michael <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the greats, um, that James Hunt movie was amazing, I thought. I really loved watching it. Uh, was it called Drive or Rush? And um, the, uh, the Austrian guy. Uh, Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda. When he got there, you know, he bought his way into, the, into a team, into racing, and he sort of tuned the car up, and then suddenly the car was flying. How, how much do the, the current drivers sort of, you know, get involved in the whole specking of the car and the testing? And as far as actually giving... Um, information because from what I gather, it's so much you can gather from the computers nowadays. I mean, that how much does the driver can you realistically add? Well, these days, I mean, it's it's a subjective kind of thing to see how much someone can sense. Some of these guys can sense like half a degree of your or roll that sensors would tell us in retrospect. But when we have six thousand individual streams of data coming off the car at any one time, so. Finding something sometimes is like a needle in a haystack. So it is quite useful to have the guy say, look, I think the the rear end's a bit loose. I think we're moving around like we shouldn't. 
and the steering wheels vibrating a whole lot. Like, and I wasn't expecting that. So the da- the data's there. We just have to dig into it and and have a screenshot of what to look for. If you know, if you know what I mean. So yeah. hence fifteen hundred employees. With regards to like you know, obviously there's a lot of con- um, countries that want to kind of well, there's some have pulled out of hosting F1 because it's so incredibly expensive. And I think F1's looking for those more new money countries like Azerbaijan to kind of, you know, pick up the slack. If South Africa were to say want to host an F1 at the new Kyle Army or whatever, again, like, you know, have you got a ballpark figure that would really realistically be in play here? I know people have been talking about it recently, but again, like, what would it really cost? So the big, the, the big joke about the Formula One is that they make the venues pay. To have the privilege of having the Formula One circus come to their town, you know, um, and I think the 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 number was like a billion rand or something. If I read an article right on yeah, that's, that uh, was, Wheels Twenty Four, that was being bandied about. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm not sure about these sorts of numbers because they are a bit hard to uh, to get into. I think in the old days, Bernie Eccleston would sort of do what he thought was right, you know. So he would obviously. First and foremost, try and extract as much cash out of each of these places as he could. And if it was attractive to do something like Africa or Asia, then he might make a concession for the first one on board or what have you. Um, because I'm pretty sure, you know, <laughs> a few of these places don't pay what the new money places pay anymore. So, right. yeah, uh, it's, it's a hard one. I think as the world changes and Africa starts to become more and more prominent, there should really be one. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they can change their pricing and what have you for for the race. But as it stands, it's quite a, an amazing prospect as far as money goes. So. If you were to look at rugby, you would have the sort of video session on a Monday. I take it with all the information and technology and insights that are coming out of these computers, every team will do that after the race, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's funny things, you know, I suppose with rugby, you can't tell if someone's injured before the game, but with us, we let cars go with, uh, you know, a part that's not attached properly or what have you, and then the car comes to grief half, half the way around, and then uh, the, <laughs> the quality report will say, some doers didn't talk this nut properly, <laughs> race over. <laughs> well, I gotta say, um, I'd, I would love to know more about the inner dealings of F1. Obviously, there's a lot of things that you can't talk about, and I appreciate your time for today. Um, if you do go to a race, it'd actually be quite cool to get your thoughts, you know, obviously from your experience. So please let us know. We'd love to pick up this up, pick us up again sometime in the future. And it, it goes without saying, I'm not gonna plug your social media channels or anything where we can find more about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> All right, cool. So that is our mystery F1 man, and we definitely will have him back. There were so many interesting things about how, like, fifteen hundred people working on Lewis Hamilton to get across the finish line first. Where you really break it down, that's that's a lot of like high fives at the end of the season. You know when these guys win, and then Hamilton will go do like he'll go to the Petronas Towers in Malaysia, and he's there, and like all the employees are in the lobby. Oh, that's just that's like the scale of these things. Like the people, like one of the big reasons I wanted to have this interview with this guy is that the people the the lives that people are having out there in sports, words eventually come to me, that the lives that are out there in sport are just staggering, you know, like all that goes into these productions. I mean, this is just the world of F1. Just think what happens behind like the doors of Real Madrid or, you know, like even just the, this whole logistics around the Aussie cricket tour of South Africa or what goes into the Winter Olympics. There's so many fascinating like lives out there and I really hope to bring more to you because you know, we we get stuck in our day-to-day lives, don't we? And then we watch sport and TV, we get drunk and we shout things. But we don't know what's really going on out there. Well, talk about more about what's really going on out there. Uh, I've got a guest in this week. His name is Kevin Sanders. Kevin, say good morning. Morning. Morning, guys. Okay, there we go. That's a good thing. Always a good thing to make the guests feel comfortable. That's what us professionals in radio do, and I do it from time to time as well. So, Kevin, you're involved. Um, you know, I've been chatting to Kevin on uh, social media for quite a while now. He's quite an astute individual. He loves a good stat. He loves rugby. Uh, also loves the sort of inner workings of the F1. Uh, but what he's actually in studio today for is a great new event called the Ultimate Tens Rugby. Uh, Kevin, yeah. We all know about the Cape Town 10s. I think there's Swan Air 10s that go with that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's other tens of events that, um, that are hosted by other companies. Okay, like sure, yeah. sure. So how did you come about creating Ultimate Tens Rugby? That sounds like quite a ballsy thing to do. Well, it's like, uh, myself and Rob were sitting and just um, looking for um, a unique, more social aspect of the rugby. Um, like I so said, the other events, uh, we feel f- uh, focus more on the professional side of the rugby and so then we want to make it more enjoyable. Like the aspect that South Africans enjoy about rugby, the social side of it, the music, the partying, the enjoying the game and having let's say your normal guy on the street being able to get 20 guys together make a tense team and pitch up for the event and actually win something like so that's the other thing that we do we've got a decent prize money for our for our teams that play and then afterwards can grab a beer and um, enjoy our music festival we're hosting okay like i i played cape town tens once there was a big draw our team made it into the final of uh, like the here for the beer league, and we ended, yeah. up, we ended up playing a bunch of like university guys in UCT who play rugby anyway. And I felt a bit, yeah. I felt a bit dicked in the end there because these guys play rugby week in week out. Yeah, we, we we all played rugby in high school, and there we were in the finals. So that was a bit annoying, but it was a really cool event, and I get the whole understanding. But what kind of makes your one more unique? I mean, you you say there's more of a focus on the social side of that kind of stuff. Where, for instance, are you hosting this, and and? Where are you sort of marketing it as far as getting the, this unique element to come through? So our, like I said, our focus is the more younger group. We're hosting uh, the event yeah. in Pretoria. It's the 19, 20, and 21st of April. Um, Spot on. So you don't want any old crocs coming through really? Yeah, no, you all said that side as well. We, we, the, the three, the three leagues we're focusing on the under 19 side, um, 19. Oh, okay. So like, so as just out of school, you, you want to still be involved with rugby. You want to get some game time. Um, this is the, um, we've got that t- uh, tournament. Then we have the social rugby league. That's the year for the beers league where you can, like I said, you can grab and get 10, uh, 10, 20 of your mates and, um, form a team. And then we also have the golden oldies. So like, say so if you're an old okay. bali, and you right. still want to play rugby and yeah, you can get that side going. Okay, so it's going to be happening in Pretoria, the Zayo Field, Pretoria. That's it, yeah. Uh, it's going to be happening Thursday the 19th, but you go all the way through Saturday night 21st, every night live live bands, live entertainment? Yeah, yeah, we've got a whole host of um, Afrikaans, um, artists, English artists, rock bands, DJs, um, just to mention a few, we've got Spoogwolf, Snotkop, Ray Dylan, um, we've got Early B, we've got Adam, like from DJ side, we've got DJ uh, Jazzy D um, on the side, DJ Tabiso, um, like I said, we've got Jasper Dan, um, Dirty moonshine that's more rock and roll element so we're trying to with the band even with the bands we're trying to cover all different tastes and so if you hear just for the african soki then we've got that covered and if you want to listen to like a like a d house dj dj dazzy d and tabiso they there to get to get that crowd going so we're trying to cover all the bases with the artists and the same with the rugby Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, look, a lot of those names mean nothing to me, but then again, I don't really leave the house on the weekend. <laughs> so the, the, the kind of big thing I want to chat to you today mm. is that obviously this is a great event and I'm happy for mm. you to kind of, you know, plug it and get people talking about it. But what I always find interesting about these events is how did you get to this point? Like, how, how do you find sponsors who are going to put faith into you? How, I mean, like do you, I take it you have a day job, your partner has a day job. I mean, this isn't, yeah, this yeah. isn't your thing. I mean, the ultimate tent isn't going to be the only way you make money. What were your first kind of steps towards putting this all together? Because I'm looking, I'm going to the website right now mm. and there's a lot going on here. I mean, this is yeah. pretty impressive. Like I said, uh, my, that's, it's a lot, a lot of hustling from, from myself and Rob, um, using our contacts, trying to get people involved, um, selling the whole, like I said, selling the experience of the event instead of trying to sell them, oh no, this is a marketing opportunity. And then they're selling them is like what their brand stands for. And then, uh, like I said, the brands we've really got associated with is like Inside Outdoor with, they help us with a lot of the marketing, put up, putting up billboards and stuff like that. We've got record, um, newspaper that, um, with their social media and their print media side. And said we we constantly trying to get more brands involved and in, and in, in getting that. But like I said, with the, with it being the first um, first event and um, people not knowing what like how we're going to run it and what the outcome is going to be and so on, it's 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 a hustle to 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 get that um, get the people involved and get the brands involved. In it. But luckily, we have people that are all willing to invest in 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 in, in the rugby and and see that side of the event. And when was the first, when, when did you sit down with, with your partner, um, Rob and say, right, we want to do this? How many years ago was that? Well, that was actually last year, about August. Um, Rob came to me, well, well he, he mentioned, no, he wanted to, wanted to do his own, uh, the ultimate attendance of it. I said, okay, cool, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work about it. So he's actually still been, been from last year, August, been planning and structuring and this and this and that. And then, um, eventually I got involved and I said to him, well, cool. We, we started as disruptive intent to helping with the marketing side and then we got slowly but surely 
really we got involved with um, the more organization of the event and getting sponsors and getting teams and getting selling the tickets and stuff like that. So you're telling me you've turned this around in six months? Basically, yeah. I mean, that is incredible. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. I mean, mm. it takes us six months to kind of get a good podcast together in this place. Yeah. Six months, that's, that's, that's really, really impressive. So what's the sort of evolution plan here? I mean, like, we, we've got, you've got massive competition, of course. Mm. You've got Cape Town 10, so I think it's 1A10s, the same company. You've got Varsity yeah. Sports. Varsity Sports do a whole bunch of stuff nowadays. What's the sort of progression plan here? Because, I mean, if you can turn this around in six months, obviously you guys have some bigger, loftier ambitions. Yeah, well, as I said, we, we are planning to expand the event, making it maybe having the event twice a year, not at the same place, but having one, let's say, in, in Gauteng, in, in Pretoria. And um, if other fields or whatever are available, we can do the event like that. And we're trying to move the event to um, Durban, having a presence there. Um, and like I said, but the, like I said, we, once we get this event done and sorted, then planning for, for, for the, the move to, to, to K, uh, for, to move to Durban spill start then, and then we'll try and get that up and running. And said, so it's, it's a lot of work to getting the fields, getting sponsors, but sure. if, as soon as we get the impact on this event, I'm sure it'll be a lot, it'll smooth the, uh, pave the way to go forward in this. You know, I looked at the Bulls game last week. Again, I'm just spitballing ideas with you here because you know, that's how I look at sport really. I looked at that Bulls versus Hurricanes game last week. There were oh. about, I don't know. Be nice. Two thousand, three thousand people in that stadium. Yeah. If I was a productive, proactive, entrepreneurial, progressive union, I would mm. look at things like this and go, "Okay, Kevin, cool. We've got great facilities. We've got pit, we've got rugby uh, fields all around our stadium. How about we team up that you can do this one of these events at a time where the Bulls are going to play someone? The overflow from your event that goes into the stand to watch the main game. Suddenly, you've got a decent crowd in. Yeah, you know, is this something that you'd also like to maybe pitch to unions as well to be more involved with them, or do you want to stay fiercely independent? It, it would be it would be a, um, a good thing to actually partner with them. So, like I said, their reach and they like having them having the stadiums and all that would be a good thing. But we're trying to keep it still keep it a social event. As I think as soon as we take that leap to get uh, professional unions and that in, in the in the event. It'll lose its um, authenticity. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and they'll definitely try to take control. Exactly. Oh, they they put up a big name sponsor and they they put put up a lot of cash, which is which is awesome. But with the them putting up the cash, takes gives them control of the event. Yeah, because I mean, you know, participation is obviously a big feature going forward. And again, sponsors want bang for their buck. So. Yeah. Super Rugby, I mean, they got that big sponsor, they got the big money, but it just looks bad. I know people are mostly at home drinking brandy and coke and watching their own time, which yeah. is great because that's how I like to watch my <laughs> rugby. But when you look at a rugby game and there are so few people in the stands, it just mm. makes your entire product look dodgy. It looks, it looks, yeah. looks terrible. It looks like someone shot the ball somewhere along the line. It does not look successful. Exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to participation events like this, uh, I'm like, I'm all for it. I think they're fantastic. And also it gets to remind people that sport is fun. Sport is entertainment. You don't have to be a first team player to be involved in sport, and especially exactly, with yeah. these, like mm. you're going for the rugby, you're going for the social aspect. How do people get involved? What's the first step? What's the cutoff period? Say, for instance, like if you want to get your mates together and get a team together, what's the first step you go under? Well, listen, myself and Robert, and actually now we was we were talking yesterday. We're getting a flood of, of of people of all boys teams and stuff like that wanting to join the event because they, they they that's the where they thrive is those social leagues and those those tournaments that they do you, they do you, have, do you have mixed teams? Yeah. Do you have, do you have <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not PC yet. We're not PC yet. We'll just we'll just have our men's league for now. <laughs> well, you've absolutely lost some Australians, right? Yeah, there. The, all those Aussies are gone. This is fine. They can stay down, and it's mostly South Africans as well, anyway. So, <laughs> but um, like I said, to get involved in the event, if you um, we actually at the stage by with the um, early bird tickets. So if you can come in now, you can go to the website. It's just the ultimate10s.co.za, and um, go and say we we um, you can buy your tickets straight off new tickets. Um, all the tickets, all the packages are there. You can buy a day pass. So if you just want to come for the specific day. Or you can buy a weekend pass that gives you access to the Friday set and the, uh, the, the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, mm-hmm. and then it gives you access to the rugby. That gives you access to the um, the, the, the um, artist event going on, and then we also have a bit of a more uh, like a VIP package where you get a VIP. Um, you can get chill in the VIP area. You get artist interaction. You get your own bar. You get your own um, bathroom facilities and stuff like that. You don't have to go and stand in line and wait. So if you want to pay a pay a bit extra, you can get the VIP package and you get the VIP experience. And like I said, a cool, we're still incorporating the social aspect of it. You get artist interaction. We're not going to have them on stage and as soon as they're backstage, just, just move them back to the hotels yeah. or whatever. We're trying to get them involved with, if you want to pay for the money for the VIP, um, yeah, get in, get, get, get to know the artists and stuff like that as well. 
Joe, if you are looking to enter a team, you can't dilly or dally. And under 19s, there's 14 team slots available. The social rugby team, which is obviously going to be the bigger draw card, there's 20 slots available team-wise. And then for you oldies, there's six teams available there only. So you better get into that pretty quickly. Kevin, mm. I, I wish you the absolute best with this. I, th- I think much, I think yeah. it takes balls first and foremost. Yeah. And uh, look, I'm a big fan of anybody who wants to get people around for sports. So mm. the more of these events, the better. Um, I'm not saying you need more competition because you've really got quite a lot, but this is great. People get out, they get involved in sport, and they're just having a good time around it. Yeah, well, like I said, that's, that's one of the things. Um, I recently we had a trip down to Zanin, and there was a club there. One of my mates, he teach, oh, he's, a, he's a teacher at the school there, and he said, no, let's go and watch the club games. And there were, it looked like there were more people at that game as at the last bull game. It's, it's scary to see like people so engaged in club games and people knowing the players and stuff like this. But it's, it's club rugby. It's like, how are you guys so involved? And it, it's, they're so passionate about it. And I think that's also a contributing element to restarting the ultimate tens is getting that social aspect. People don't want to go and pay a hell of a lot of money to go and sit in empty lofters and not being able to even enjoy a beer along the field. They want to go and sit and watch their mates or even participate in a game and then sure. you just have a fun weekend. Exactly, bringing communities together. Right, that's um, where, where can we find you on social media as well? Is it, um, our, yeah, our main page is on um, Facebook. You can just go, Ultimate Everything is on the Facebook page. All right, fantastic. That wraps up for this week on The Bounce Show. Just to kind of give you a little heads up on what to look out for sports-wise in March. Of course, the SA series against Australia is currently on the go. Aussies are 35 for one. Uh, Bancroft's already gone. And he'll go a lot during this series to Werner Philander. I'll tell you that much. So that'll be right now. And then also on the 9th, the 22nd, and 30th, those are the four test matches. The USA Sevens this weekend will be the second to the fourth. Blitzbox are really good in Las Vegas. The Canada Sevens, 10th to the 11th. Schwana opens on this weekend as the WGC Mexico Championship, as I spoke about. Then the Champions League, 6th and 7th uh, March. That's the last 16 second legs. Also be played on the 13th and 14th. 9th to the 18th of March, we'll see the Winter Olympics, the Paralympics, sorry, the Winter Paralympics. 7th to 18th of March, we've got the FA Cup quarterfinals on the 17th. We've got the final round of the Six Nations. I'm interested to see who the champion is there, seeing as Scotland just beat England. 22nd of March will be the day-night test match between New Zealand and England. Yes, England are still playing uh, cricket in that part of the world. 21st, 25th will be the WGC Dell match play. A huge golfing tournament there. And then the first F1 test of the year will be the Aussie F1, March the 25th. That is the show today. Catch the full podcast on thebounce.co.za after 12 o'clock if you are listening live. Otherwise, cliffcentral.com. Look out for the Bounce page under the show menu there. You catch all the episodes I've done here. And, of course, come back to more of Sport on Cliff Central with the Gareth Cliff Show every Monday to Friday where I'll do my daily bulletins, which I believe is actually my best work. Not saying this show is not great. It's just that, you know, I'm, I'm more full of energy during that one. And it's short. It's like eight to ten minutes. It's everything you need to know. Otherwise, catch me on YouTube. Subscribe to The Bounce at Follow The Bounce on YouTube. New vlog goes up every single Friday. Plus, there'll be other features like I show you how stupid it is or how clever it is that the box are playing whales in America on the 2nd of June. So there'll be videos going up all the time. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at Follow The Bounce, on Instagram at The Bounce. Also, the same applies to Facebook. Otherwise, just go to the Bounce of It's a great site. The more you go there, the happier I am. So, let's finish the, that thought. Make me happy this week. And then everyone wins kind of thing. Anyway, that's it. I'm all talked out because now I'm babbling. Go, Proteas. Beat these Aussies. Go. This is CliffCentral.com.